So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Hi, and welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares, a legal technology trainer and consultant. I help lawyers and law firms use technology better. Before we get started with today's awesome episode, I want to make sure and thank our sponsors. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800 Answer One or online at answerone.com. That's answer the number one.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Clio. Clio's cloud-based practice management software makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it for free at clio.com, and that's C-L-I-O.com. Unbundled Attorney is a premium lead generation service that delivers exclusive leads directly into your inbox in real time. Looking to get more leads and grow your practice? Visit unbundledattorney.com today. Bill, are you there? I am. Yeah, we made it. It's been <laughs> yeah. a long time coming. <laughs> it's a little bit. <laughs> we'll tell everyone in a moment how we met, but before we do that, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I'm Bill Gallione. I am a child injury attorney in Gainesville, Florida. Um, basically means I help families um, when their lives been turned upside down when they're, because their child's been hurt by somebody else. Uh, in, in lawyer terms, I'm a personal injury attorney who helps children who have been hurt. Um, been in Gainesville for quite a while, um, came here for undergrad, uh, law school also, so got both my degrees at the University of Florida, and I say I've never really achieved escape velocity, and wound up, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I wound up loving it here over the years. I got married, and uh, we have five kids, a house, the whole thing, and so I think we're here for the duration. Uh, five kids is an insane number of kids, Bill. <laughs> You and your wife must really like each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or there's not that much to do in Gainesville. <laughs> we do tend to get that reaction when I say we have we have five kids. It's not two right. point something. It's it's actually five kids and and it was purposeful and and yeah, but it's you know, life is our life is a, a great big adventure. It's it's something I thought I would never have. And so it's it's wonderful. That's awesome. Tell me how old are they and what are their names? So they go from ages four up to 14. We have boys wow. on the bookends. And so the youngest is uh, Jonathan Graham Gallione. So little John John, he's four. <laughs> and then we have Katie Rose, his next oldest sister, and she is eight. And then his next oldest sister is Essie. Um, her name's Christina Esther. But oh. for Esther, we use Essie for short, which actually actually came from a little cartoon we watched once. <laughs> we thought Essie was a really cute name, and it was that is cute. Yeah, it turns out it was it was perfect for her. It's it's, it's she's so cute and wonderful. But um, so that's Essie, and so let's see. So she is ten. Then we go to Mary Grace. Uh, who's just turned 13. And then the oldest is Billy, named after me. So Galleon Jr. Aww. is number five, is number, well, first kid, but the fifth one we're talking about. And he's, four, he's 14, getting ready to <laughs> head to high awesome. school. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I always love hearing what people name their kids. You've got a bunch of good solid names there, Bill. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, that's yeah. great. You know, I am from Florida and I jo always joke around the term that I use for Floridians like me who love Florida because it's hot and steamy and all the reasons that Northerners might hate Florida, I love Florida for. I call myself a Floridiate, you know, because I'm the person that shows up in New York City with like flip flops and no right. winter coat. And um, right. so I can totally understand why you got stuck in Gainesville, because it's just such a nice place to live and a, obviously a great place to raise a family. And it sounds like it's also a great place to start a solo practice. So I want you to tell us a little bit about how you, well, wait, let's back up. Let's talk about how we met. Okay. <laughs> I was doing a talk at a Florida bar solo small from conference. Yes. And there you were. Yeah. And you said, right. and you came up and you said, oh my God, I listened to your podcast, which is always so hysterical and random to me because I think I have one listener and it's my boyfriend. <laughs> you know? So you were at the solo small firm conference and you said, I just started my own practice. And I said, well, you need to come on my show when you feel like you are ready to spread some seeds of wisdom for everyone else. So tell us a little bit about how you started your practice. And I really want you to talk a little bit about your very interesting niche that you got into. Okay. So, so how I started my own practice. Um, so my background was, um, so I've been an attorney for about 20 years. So when I'm a new solo, I'm not a new attorney, but I'm a new yeah. solo attorney. Um, I'm coming from kind of a small to mid firm um, background. And so um, I've worked for a couple firms before I had started my own practice. And uh, for me, you know, for those of us who kind of had done something else and deciding to go out on your own, for me, it was uh, kind of a, you know, I say it took me 20 years to figure this out, but I, I'm one of those people where I never wanted to do this. So if you had kind of talked to me kind of throughout my career, um, you never would have found any interest. Uh, <laughs> In going solo. Right, right. You it, like the infrastructure and the support and the resources of yeah, a bigger firm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, my first job, I was hired into the litigation department for a personal injury firm. And I just hit the, you know, hit the ground running, just covering depositions and litigating. And that was my job. I just, I was lawyering. That's all I was doing. And I was lawyering and there was a lot of stuff I liked about the personal injury field. And specifically within that type of job, what I found was, yeah, I liked the lawyering. I liked that I did not have to worry about overhead. I did not have to worry about right. hiring and where and leases and where's the all. I liked, I liked just the lawyering and not having to do all that stuff. A lot of lawyers do. I mean, and that's yeah. just fine, right? Yeah. So that's normal. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it's, you know, there's something uh, different for everybody and some things work for some folks and, and mm -hmm. some things don't. And so some people, and actually that's part of what I discovered, part of my process, I kind of a research nut. And so I research and I look at everything probably too much. As a matter of fact, when we were getting, <laughs> my, wife, my wife and I were getting married, um, you know, normally you go through premarital counseling once. And um, <laughs> we had three, three premarital, <laughs> three, three sessions and one video series. So I oh, just, man. I was trying to make sure, you know, that we were just as prepared as we could be. And we you do not every, like failure. No. <laughs> 
so and so I did I do the same thing with work apparently I kind of you know I read all this stuff <laughs> and so that's part of what I was finding is, is kind of what we were just saying which is um, one of the things you look at you know if you're going to think about starting your own business starting your own firm is is this even right for me that's kind of one of the first questions you kind of have to do this internal assessment because for some people it's not right you know if you really you know if I were the same person I was 10 years ago it would not have been right it, it would have been sure. a mess I would have been yeah, timing definitely mm-hmm. matters yeah. And so since then, I guess a few different things kind of came into play that kind of pushed me in the direction of starting my own business. And just to kind of uh, look at maybe a, a few of those sort of forces, um, I think looking back on it, uh, I think one of the things that kind of got me to that direction was my interaction with other small business owners. Mm. So as a part of trying to build the business for my last employer, I was trying to become more involved in the business community, getting to know folks and small business owners. And I was involved in some networking groups and things. And I was just finding, I was super impressed with folks who could just take nothing and build something. You know, folks who could kind of start from scratch, put together a business plan, have a dream, have a vision, and create this viable business that supports them, their family, employees, and gives something to the community. I was just so impressed with that. So I think that was kind of one one of the sparks that kind of got me thinking along those lines. Sure. Um, probably the most direct thing was in in the course of trying to build the practice for my last employer, you know, I was trying to research everything. How could I help them be better? How could I help the firm be better, bring more business? One of the things I found was that some of the best practice management material was coming out of solo small practice groups. And uh-huh. yeah, and so um, I just started, you know, I was reading things, going to seminars. And, you know, here I'm involved in the, the State Bar Association here in Florida, and they have a solo small practice section. And they do a few different seminars. And I was at one of those seminars, and it was a panel of folks who were solo attorneys. And, you know, I was kind of there for the practice management tips. But as a part of that seminar, they kind of told their stories and they kind of explained kind of their background, how they got to be where they were. And they explained probably the key part was they explained a little bit more specifically how they did it. You know, so this is how I got from here to here. And that was probably a key point because that was a point where I first seriously thought, oh, maybe I could do this. Maybe there's a reason to do this. Interesting. Yeah. So your your law firm was sending you out to learn more about making them better, and little did they know, <laughs> Bill <laughs> yeah. was being converted to a yeah. possible solo. Yeah, you never would have guessed it. We've had some friends. As a matter of fact, our accountant we've been friends with for about 15 years, and just about every year when we're doing our taxes, sitting down with him, my wife and I go together, and he was always asking me, when are you going to start your own firm? When are you going to start your own firm? Oh. And, you know, And it was always the same thing. No, never. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> but, but I got to that point. And it's funny, you know, that, that particular seminar, because my wife is also kind of my biggest cheerleader. Because of course. she, out of the two you of us. You know why, I, Bill? Why? Because you guys went to three premarital conferences <laughs> and watched a video series. And that has to be one of the main things you guys learned. <laughs> well, yeah. That's right. She did, yes. And she's obviously awesome. But I mean, come on. Yeah. You, you prepped her for this and didn't I, even know it 20 years ago. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't think of it like that. Uh-huh. But um, 
in terms of kind of her personality, though, she of the two of us, she's the more entrepreneurial type person, business minded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before she started having kids, she was a salesperson for a local gym, and and she was just amazing, and she was building a business there. So she has been kind of like our accountant after me forever. You know, well, you just got to go do this. So I I came home and I when I first shared that that, that little moment at that seminar, you know, and, and her reaction was, you know, I kind of said. I'm kind of wondering if maybe I should be thinking about this. You know, her, her reaction was, oh, of course, yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yes, of course, that's what you have to do. Oh, very good. Well, and that's, I think, one of the most important things, of course, is having the support from your partner and mm. being able to do that. I mean, otherwise, mm. it would just be friction at home and then stress yeah. at the office. So that's great. Well, good. Yeah. So she supported you. Yeah. You figured out there are some ways that I could possibly do this. And then how did you take the initiative and then the experience that you had with bigger firms and funnel that into not just a solo practice, but your niche, your, your yeah. child injury yeah. practice. Yeah. So from there you go, you know, that's kind of the, the dreaming vision passion stage. You know, you kind of, kind of realize, yes, yeah, it's something I want to do. You have the impetus to go do it. Then there's kind of like what you're saying now, there's the more practical stage of, okay, well, okay, well then how do you actually do it? What do I actually do now with this kind of feeling, desire, dream? And so, you know, I went back to kind of the research process and I guess kind of more uh, specifically, you know, I was looking at, okay, so if this is what I want to do, how do you, with my experience, how do you have a, a practice that, you know, could sustain itself? You know, because my entire experience is personal injury. That's all I've done. That's that's all I know, which in some ways is great. You know, it's good because I have that developed skill set. But at the same time, that's that's kind of it. So part of it is kind of obvious. Kind of the first thought is, okay, well, what am I going to do? Well, the obvious part to me then is, okay, well, it's going to be a personal injury type practice. But then you have to think, okay, well, how how are you going to put that together? Because I guess all lawyers, you know, some degree have competition. Um, personal but injury. This field has <laughs> the biggest yeah. competition possible. Yeah, if you kind of look at the rates for the the Google AdWords and all that, and the, yeah. and all, uh, uh-huh. the personal injury apparently we're the high <laughs> the highest ones out there. Yeah, and and that's sure. why it gets so competitive. And so that was a real question. And that was part of it. You know, even though I kind of had this kind of feeling of, oh, okay, let's go do this. The next part was, well, can you really make this work? And and how do you put together a, a business plan? And so that was kind of the first, to me, kind of like a first stumbling block is, well, if I can't figure this out, then we don't really need to go any further with this. Because kind of like we're saying, I've got, you know, five kids and a wife to support. And we right. got a house now. And so there has to be a plan and there has to be a reasonable basis to think the plan is going to work, despite all the, you know, the cheerleading and support, you know. So we kind of had to think through uh, a lot of it kind of comes down to marketing issues. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have personal injury, a personal injury skill set. Now, what do I do with that? And so what I do, uh, you know, I go and I'm reading all these books and listening to all this stuff. And one of the techniques for good research, um, what they teach you in law school, is when you're researching an issue, the way you know you're done is when you start looping back to things and coming back to things and you refer to things that you've already hit, that you've already come to. 
Hey, that's what I do when I shop on Amazon, and I didn't even go to law school. <laughs> See, it's the same skill set. <laughs> so, right. yeah. Hey, anybody, so, anybody can make hard decisions doing good research. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's the basic, you know, research skill. So then that's kind of part of what I used when I was, you know, looking at all this stuff because the part that's hard to figure out is what really works. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of hear all these things and you get hundred different opinions, talk to hundred different attorneys. And so how do you figure this out? And so I was kind of looking for sort of trends and things that were coming up from multiple sources. So I felt like it was trustworthy information. And so one of the trends I saw was that a lot of people say, well, if you're doing this, what you want to do in in this day and age is you have to narrow down your focus, your field as much as possible. As a matter of fact, you want to narrow it down even more than feels comfortable. And so that means what they're saying to me is if you're going to go into a market like Gainesville, you can't just open a broad-based personal injury practice. To be really competitive, you have to find your niche. You have to find that little area. And that's why you hear about that so much these days is because that's what people are advising. You have to find one little area to focus on to somehow distinguish yourself. You know, Now, I can also distinguish myself with some of my experience, but what a lot of folks seem to be saying is that in addition to that, you want to look at how can you distinguish what type of personal injury practice you're building. And so then it gets to, okay, well then, then how do I do that? If you accept that and say, okay, well, okay, well, finding your little area, finding a niche is good. So I, you know, estate and trust attorneys don't want to be just estate and trust attorneys. They have to find a little niche. And if you're a PI attorney, you don't want to just be a general, I'd take every PI case. So how do you do that? Well, then the advice seemed to be, well, you kind of go through a few steps and you look at a few different things. So you kind of look at your experience. So you look for types of cases that you've handled, any kind of trends, you know, are there a lot of certain types of cases that you've done over the years? You look at any particular skill sets within your field that might lean towards a particular type of case. And you look at your personal interests kind of in your mm-hmm. broader life. What are you interested so, in? So do you think five kids was one of those personal <laughs> interests in this checklist of yours? Yeah. And I could kind of, go, <laughs> I, I could throw in a few more details that'll make you think, oh my goodness, of course you're doing this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and part of it is, is not just interest, but then passion. What are you passionate sure. about? And so you kind of put all that together and see if it kind of will point in, a, you know, in one direction. And so when I started thinking about it, you know, I could kind of come up with some areas of law that seem, you know, like, well, okay, well, nobody seems to be doing that. That might be good for marketing purposes. But when I throw in the other things, you know, something, um, because if you can find something that intersects with your personal interest and your passion, then it becomes easy to talk about it, to, you know, to make your business because it's something important to you. You know, uh, and so that's why you want to try to connect all those. Yeah. So for me, (laughs) yeah, beyond the five kids. So I started kind of thinking about, you know, my life and everything. And yeah, so when I started doing the math, okay, well, you start with our family life. We got five kids. Okay, well, that's one part of it. Well, what else have I been doing? Well, I've been very involved in my church. And as a matter of fact, I've been a Sunday school teacher. When I added it up, probably almost 20 years I've been teaching Sunday school. So I've been teaching grade schoolers for a good period of time. Because of our kids, um, it's not just them, but they've brought us into this whole other life in our town. So I've coached my son's football team, which is kind of funny because I don't play sports, <laughs> but I've I've coached different sports for him. We've been involved in karate. We've been involved right. in dance and all their stuff. All um, kinds of weird stuff you yeah. parents get into with yeah. kids. 
<laughs> in our neighborhood, we're connected to folks there and their families. Our kids decided they- So your they... network is also really mm-hmm. wide. I mean, and I, I hate to say that like, oh, you know, you, there's this opportunity for when someone needs that type of lawyer, you don't want to think that, you know, you're going to be available for something like this because it's certainly not, you know, something you want to go after. But your network, the opportunities get wider because of all that interest and those connections and the many things that you do in your community. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. In that perspective, that yeah, there is a certain, um, you know, kind of network that's already there because mm-hmm. of all of that, you know, you throw in our neighborhood, you know, our kids decided a few years ago, they wanted to have their own fall festival. So now once a year, we have their about a hundred of their friends and our neighbors over in our wow. backyard and they do their own little thing. And so we have all types of little activities like that. And it all points to, you know, being involved with families. And then my wife and I, in addition to that, kind of have a a more personal desire to want to help parents, Mm, you know, to help them to be good parents, help because we know, (laughs) we know the struggle. Lifetime's over. uh, Yeah. I remember the first two running around and, you know, in the diapers and all that. And oh my goodness, you know, and there was so much to learn. It's all on the job training, you know, and you're trying to take it all in. And so, you know, we just, we want to help folks who are in, you know, in that stage of life, raising kids and families. And so that all kind of swirls together then, you know, and points to the direction of, okay, well, doing something with kids. And so since I'm in the personal injury field, then we're looking at, all right, so then maybe we want to help families when their child is the one who's been hurt. So that kind of gets me to that point. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think that's a really interesting process that a lot of attorneys don't go through. And I think they do stay too broad, too often. We've had so many marketing um, experts come on the show and say the same thing, which is you can't walk into a marketing firm and say, I want to be at the top of Google search for personal injury. They're all going to look at you and say, give me a niche to work with because otherwise it's going to cost you a lot of money and your success rate might be a little bit lower than you want. Um, Listen, before we move on to the next half of our conversation, let me take a quick break to hear a message or two from some sponsors. Are you a family law, immigration, or estate planning attorney looking to attract new leads and retain more clients? Join hundreds of other solos and small firms just like you who use Unbundled Attorney to receive premium, exclusive leads delivered directly into their inbox in real time. To learn more about how their lead generation services can grow your practice, subscribe to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast or visit unbundledattorney.com today. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and then get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up with the code NEWSOLO10. That's NEWSOLO10. And do that at Clio.com, C-L-I-O.com. Okay, we're back. Uh, this is Adriana. We're on, of course, New Solo and the Legal Talk Network in case for some weird reason you ended up in the middle of this episode. And I've got Bill Gallion from Gainesville, Florida on the line. And we've been talking about how his, um, your interest, Bill, I can talk to you like you're actually here, how <laughs> your personal interests in your life sort of organically, but naturally, mm. organically and naturally mm. guided you toward going out on your own and building a child injury law in Gainesville, which sounds very interesting and Mm. maybe sad at the same time, you must have Mm -hmm. to have a very 
spirited life and wife to be able to do that kind of work. And I'm sure that the people that get to work with you are pretty grateful for that. Tell us a little bit about, you know, we've talked a lot about your family and obviously that's number one. And you mentioned to me on a side conversation that you talk about that a lot on your website, that family is first. Talk to us a little bit about finding that balance between being able to pay attention to five kids and a (laughs) wife, but also, I mean, you're almost raising like another child when you start a solo practice because this thing needs attention and nurturing and it needs feeding and Mm -hmm. (laughs) all the same types of things. Mm -hmm. And it's your livelihood at the same time that Mm -hmm. your, your family is such an important focus of your life. How did you manage or how do you manage to balance things like Mm -hmm. this? Yeah. So uh, I actually had to talk to some uh, UF law students once about that particular issue. And I, I probably fielded that question because of my life experience, because mm-hmm. I was up there with the five kids and, you know, all the law students want to know, they, that's their question. There was kind of a point where there was a Q&A and they were asking, you know, how do you do these things? And so... Um, well, wait, can it, I can I just ask you yeah. quick before you... Yeah. Because don't you feel like this profession is changing? And 20, 25, maybe 30 years ago, that's not a conversation you would have had in law school because it was just a different world. And now all these young lawyers are coming out and they get it. They want to have that balance. They don't want to be chained to their desk. They want a mobile practice. They want to have a, a successful personal life as much as... So I think it's just a different conversation that we're having these days and you're living it. So yeah, yeah tell yeah. us. Yeah, well, I think you're right. It does feel like there's kind of been a shift where... Um, this is kind of a more important, uh, more relevant issue, I think, to kind of everybody involved in the process. Um, so, yeah, so for me, kind of looking at this, um, yeah, the question is, so so how do you balance work and life? It's, uh, I, I think the best way to start is it's very difficult. <laughs> you know, you do have a feeling, especially if you kind of have a large family and a job, and especially a new job, you have a feeling of, of being kind of that circus performer with the plates spinning, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I've, I've got, you know, maybe eight plates spinning. So I've got, you know, the five kids, I've got my wife, uh, maybe I have my own, you know, one for me for a little bit, my own things I sure. like. Well, I'm and glad you I got, yourself in there. That's important. Yeah. So I, I got one for my business. And now I know I have to have more than one for my business because there's now two parts to it. Now there's the lawyering and there's the business management. So mm-hmm. there's two distinct parts of it, which was this past year is, was the biggest learning. <laughs> Even though I was told about it, that was the biggest learning curve experience was realizing that there are kind of two different things and you have to budget time and resources. So, yeah. So if I've got all those plates spinning then, so how do we manage that? How did you find time to do this podcast? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, it reflects kind of what we're talking about now. It's, it has to do with prioritizing. It has to do with your value system. But I think you start with that. So when I was talking to law students, I said, you start with your values and what's important to you and what you want out of life in your career. Okay, because you have a right to answer that question, however you, you know, however you feel. And I think the most important thing is to know what you're getting into. So, for example, uh, some of these big law firms, you jump into them your first year out of law school, and it, it really is 80 hours a week. And and, and oh, really is because sure. I had a friend who did that. He went over to California, making uh, huge money his first year, but his life, no personal life. Right. No, no. no. But, you know, if you want to choose that, okay, well, you know, you can choose that, I guess, you know, but the important part is to first 
you know, don't wind up there by mistake and miserable. If you're going to do that, it, you, we want a willful choice and you want to make sure that you're honoring your own internal value system. So I think you start with what's important to you and what is the reality of all this and what, what are these different types of jobs going to require you to do? Because if you have a value of doing a good day's work, you know, if you have a commitment to excellence and doing good work, mm. And you have a value of a good personal life. If you have certain activities outside of work, if you're involved in, I don't know, Cub Scouts or helping yeah. other, you know, family stuff or church or or whatever, you know, if you have a value of that, those two values are going to kind of come into conflict. And so you need to think about it ahead of time and kind of look at your values. How did they fit together and how do you prioritize those things? So, because what you don't want to do is you don't want to say, well, you know, I, I want to start a family right out of law school. I'm going to, I want to, we want to start having kids right away because we want to have them when we're younger and then also commit to doing excellent work for the law firm when the law firm requires 80 hours a week. How's that going to work? You know, right. so you have to back up and think about this ahead of time. And so you want to look at what's in front of you and kind of what's calling you into. And so um, for me, then, if I kind of like try to personalize a little bit, you know, so for me, what I'm thinking is, all right, so I, I have this commitment to my family and I have a commitment to doing good quality work and I want to be able to help people. So that's kind of one of my driving values for staying in the personal injury field. It's it's very personal to me because I feel like I'm helping people on a on a daily basis going through one of the worst times of their life. And that's very meaningful to me. So I kind of have those three, I have those three things kind of going on in my head. And so you have to find a way to then make it all fit. And one part of it is then if you're coming into this with the family, some of the research I did said that then this becomes a family decision, you know, and I don't just go start a business and kind of tell the wife and kids, hey, by the way, we're doing this. Because right. especially in the first few years, it's going to put certain demands on me, you know, and, and, and hopefully it's going to grow in a way where some of those demands are kind of redistributed and, re and allocated in different ways, but it's a family project. And so that's how we treated it. You know, it started with my mm. wife and I, you I know. I love that idea. It's a family project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it very much feels, if I showed you pictures of our grand opening over here, you know, all the kids had the little Galleon Law t-shirt on and we had the face oh, painting awesome. and I do balloon animals. And one so of them I was, was handing balloon. out name tags, another <laughs> yeah, one exactly. was checking people in, was <laughs> yeah. another one handing out cookies and coffee. I mean, they, everyone was working that day. All the Galleons. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm starting a YouTube channel for stuff with child injury things. And and my daughter, the 13-year-old, is doing the video editing. Is that Essie? Uh, this is this is Mary Grace, the one just oh, over Messi. Yeah, and so Mary Grace, because that's her thing. She's into video and editing and, and well, writing as well. No but, kidding. Yeah, and so I, I sat down. I was going to kind of try to learn it all myself, and I had done uh -huh. the research. But then, and then you she, were maybe going to hire somebody, yeah, and you yeah, looked over and you're like, Mary Grace, what are you doing over there? <laughs> yeah, well, well, she suggested it because she has her own camera. Awesome. She's kind of like a she wants to be like a future YouTuber type thing, you know, and have a million followers and all that, and so. Um, so, so she said, well, could I try doing it for you? And so we did like a test run and then she went back and I saw her at her computer. She got a Apple computer specifically for the video editing software. Of course. And so she's sitting there clicking a few things. It would take me like two or three hours to figure out. She's clicking. Well, let's move the set. Let's bring sound in here. We'll take the sound out here. We'll fade this in and out. We'll put the texture oh here. Oh my God. Do, 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 do. 
and it, <laughs> it looks amazing, you know? So yeah, so it is, sorry. So it is a very much a, a family project. That's um, great. And so, yeah, so like I said, we started kind of the discussion with my wife, you know, and okay. And kind of, you know, are we all in, let's realistically look at what this is going to take and, and how are we going to have to redistribute family resources? What's this going to mean to her schedule? What's this going to mean to the kid's schedule, you know? And at the time I was making these decisions, she was homeschooling all our kids. Amazing. Holy cow. Yeah. And so we're looking at what this means. Um, And, you know, then at some point we brought the kids into the part of the conversation. And one of the things that it meant for us practically is my wife had to kind of pitch in and help me get started. So it would have been, and she already has a kind of part-time job. She teaches aqua aerobics and helps folks at our local gym who have uh, movement issues. Hmm. And uh, she did a few classes a week. Um, so she kind of had that and she was homeschooling and now we're going to ask her to then take on some duties, business type duties to help the firm. So we kind of realized, (laughs) she's, she's pretty amazing. (laughs) When I, when I met her, she had four different jobs because she was that type of personality. Um, so we realized, well, I think one of the things that we have to look at here is the kids go into a traditional school setting to free up some time for mom because she's going to put some time temporarily over here. Wow. Uh, that was a huge decision. I um, that sounds you know, like a big decision. A matter yeah. of, and she was all in on that decision and it was something she wanted to do. But man, uh, her dropping off the kids at school that first week, she oh. called me crying. She was crying. Of course she did. You know, she didn't. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was a very serious kind of family thing. And the kids... Um, we found out that my wife was a lot better at homeschooling than we realized. And, and it was wow. really tough on the kids at first. She created an incredibly dynamic educational environment. And she's so supportive and so good at people skills. She kind of would walk them through the daily social development things. And, you know, and so now they're going to this other environment. So it was a hard transition, but that's, that's part of what it is. You know, it's kind of part of what I'm talking about. You have to look at, okay, well then how do we make it all fit? So for us, Mm. it means that there is some element of sacrifice then. Okay. So we're going to, and that's kind of what we talked to them about. It's like, okay, well, you guys are going to go to this school setting for a while. This is your sacrifice. And then here's how it's going to play out, you know, and and when things kind of ease up and mom's time, there's not so many demands on mom's time, you know, then we can readjust if you need to. But, and and we kind of had to have that conversation with the kids and, you know, and, and that's part of what they suggest. So some of the researchers saying you really, it's, you know, even if you're not dealing with these issues I'm talking about, if you have a family, you kind of have to say, hey, here's to the kids, you know, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's how we expect it's going to go. Well, but isn't that everything? I mean, I hate to be corporate but it just sounds like, you know, when I go into a law firm and a managing partner has been the one to initiate contact or an office manager has, I actually sent an email saying this very same thing today, which was, I hate to sound corporate but you really got to get buy-in from all the stakeholders, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which yeah. is what you're doing. And I mean, when has that ever not worked? <laughs> you know, so now you're taking this, this classic, you know, business 101 thing and applying it to what is probably way more important than business 101, which is mm. family 101. Mm. And of course, that makes so much sense to me. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't think of it exactly in that sense. But yeah, that's exactly kind of uh, what was happening on a very personal relational level. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to ask you one more question before we move on to a quick break. And then I want to talk to you about technically how you managed to do all this stuff. It's been, what, a year since 
I'm mm-hmm. I'm very concerned to hear about how the kids are doing in school. <laughs> has it been a year? It has been, yeah, yeah. So they're uh, finishing up their first year. And uh, well, uh, I guess the end of the story is the happy part. So I'll start there. Yes, uh, they, I hope they are doing well. Cool. Um, it, it was a very rocky road um, at first. A couple of them took to it very, very well. Our, our 14 year old, uh, my 14 year old son, Galeon Jr. He's uh, he's our yeah, he Billy is man. Once he connected with sports, you know, when he was about six awesome. or seven, he mm-hmm. became this little social butterfly, and he just loves the social environment. So he was fine. A couple of the others, you know, uh, sweet little Essie um, <laughs> was crying for a while. We found out she would go in the bathroom and cry, oh, and um, there were a couple of kids and not treating her, you know, so well. But but it was mostly it wasn't really that. It wasn't like you know we hear about bullying stories. It was nothing uh-huh. like that. It's a very good school that they're going to. But, you know, um, she is the one out of the five of them that's particularly sensitive to different oh, things. Yeah. Uh, oh, it, you got to have it, one out of five. Yeah. I mean, come on, you're doing yeah. all right. Yeah. But on the flip side, that's her greatest strength, her empathy oh. and her you know passion with things. Right. But the, the way it plays out on the other side is this. And so it was it was difficult for her. She's now we actually had a conversation with her recently. She's now kind of swung around. Oh, and she's yeah. kind of adjusted. And there's there's things she now likes about that kind of environment, and so she's happy again. And so and, and all the others, I think, have kind of settled out, set you know, kind oh. of settled down and settled into a routine. Yeah. Well, that makes yeah. me happy. I was very concerned for a minute, and <laughs> yeah. I mean that. I was like, oh my god, I hope he doesn't tell me, you know, that he's got to go back to a big firm because his kids didn't adjust well. I knew they would because I feel. You know, I don't have kids, but obviously my friends do, and I hear stories all the time, and kids are so resilient and amazing, mm-hmm. and especially it sounds like you guys have such a strong family structure and a support system that I didn't doubt that they were going to be fine, but I needed to make sure and ask. <laughs> Listen, before we move on, I'm just going to take a quick break. We'll hear another message or two from some sponsors. We'll come back. I'm going to ask Bill about the technology that you must have researched and what you're using. And you and I were at a technology conference when we met, but I'm sure our listeners want to know how you took all that passion and interest and your family and your crazy calendar that you guys <laughs> must have and um, have been making this work for about a year. We'll be right back. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-1 or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. With us, Bill. I am. <laughs> All right, I'm so glad. <laughs> um, it's been so interesting talking to you about your personal life, which is so embedded into your work life, and I mm. love it. Mm. I find, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years, technology consulting and training, and and I find that most lawyers don't really love what they do, and I I can't be a lawyer counselor. Obviously, I'm not one, but I have found that when I meet lawyers who love what they do and have it as a really integrated part of their life in a positive way, even when it can be sometimes negative work that you're doing, Mm -hmm. it's really meaningful. And I want to tell all my lawyers who say to me, I can't stand this job. I really want to do something else. I say, well, what's your personal interest? Figure out a way to Mm. practice law in that area or help people in that area. Mm. And I think it really 
turns the minds and the hearts around of so many when they can do that. But that's really hard. And of course, another thing that's really hard on lawyers, and it's what I do for a living mostly and why I'm always surrounded by them, is talking about technology and finding and figuring out ways to not be tortured by technology, which sounds terrible. <laughs> so it sounds like you know you decided you got on your own, you got the support that you needed, you figured out logistically how to refocus your family or sort of not even refocus, but more um, rearrange your family and your personal life. And then you must have done a ton of research to think about technology. I mean, you weren't going to go out and buy a $10,000 server. So you must have been looking at cloud-based technology. And I'm sure you wanted to be paperless and you wanted to be able to answer your phone from wherever you were and respond to client needs from wherever you were, because you've got five kids and a wife and a busy life. So where did you start? <laughs> well, well, you, you kind of summed up the, the the end result. That's about where I got to. It's what you were just describing. Uh, that's exactly it. But yeah, you know, I kind of looked at uh, the practical side of it. So some of the other advice you get when you're kind of starting out then with your own place is you want to be very conscious of your overhead expenses. And, you know, you hear terms like lean and, and agile and all these things. And you're trying to come up with a, as kind of a lean, simple structure as you can while being able to provide the quality of services that, that you need to provide. And so you're, you're looking very carefully at, at what are you spending and, and is there a better way to do it? And yeah, so probably one of the first big things, the first concept that becomes really significant in that, you know, with the idea of trying to watch overhead and expenses and uh, simplicity and things like that is the idea of a paperless office. Sure. Um, and, and so that, that is incredibly significant. So I was coming out of an environment where we had the paper files and I've kind of always had a paper file. And that was one of the areas over Don't the years. Don't think I forgot about that. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, um, you know, that, that that was one of the areas of where I saw a lot of opportunities for efficiency. Um, you know, in addition to kind of researching everything, I'm always thinking in terms of efficiency, effectiveness, and kind of what can you do and what's a better way to do this. And I saw a lot of opportunities for how things could be done better um, or easier or quicker. And a lot of it had to do with technology. And one of those big parts of the equation has to do with all that paper. Because once you get there, once you realize that you can and will run a paperless or almost paperless office, some people say it's never truly paperless, but sure. once you commit to a paperless office, it brings in so many facets of what you're doing with costs and expense and resources that it kind of transforms what you're able to accomplish. So for example, um, you know, I was putting this together, you know, and part of what you're thinking is, okay, office furniture and what do I need to buy? And what can I get by with? And so I was thinking about filing cabinets. You know, so I'm coming from a place and, you know, walls of filing cabinets. Yep. And so Big I'm thinking. Big firms, they love filing cabinets. <laughs> wait, Bill, let, let me back up and yeah. ask you one thing. Your office space, did you end up renting an office in an office building? Or did you find mm -hmm. like when, you know, Gainesville has a lot of cool little standalone houses mm -hmm. that are zoned for business. So what did you end up doing as far as your actual office? Yeah, so that's kind of another issue then you have to sort out is what yeah. you're going to do. So what I kind of realized, you know, the first question is, okay, well, do I need space? And what kind of space do I need? So for my type of practice, I really do need physical space. Right. Uh, you know, your clients I, will come visit you. Yeah. And there's, you know, it doesn't have to be the mahogany table, but you do have to think about appearance to some degree, because until they've spent a little time with me, 
and can understand what I bring to the table and the experience and the concern and the compassion. We don't want them to be turned off and turned away by some superficial things. So it has to be, you know, some level of quality in where you're going to be uh, meeting with them. You have to think about that to some degree. So yeah, so I had to look for physical space. I couldn't do the home office thing. I couldn't do the virtual office thing. And I couldn't do home office partially, like be there part of the time is because of our house family dynamics. <laughs> there, yeah, I, there's just, <laughs> there's not a, there's not a good place to get quiet uh, in, in our, sure. in our house. So I, I do And need you wouldn't to, want a quiet house with five kids. So. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess that's yeah. true too. Yeah. Yep. And so I, I did have to look for, and so you start thinking through, okay, so I need a place where I'm going to sit down and you think through how you're using your time. You're like, okay, so here are all the different tasks that, you know, are going to be connected with what I'm going to be doing. And so this is the physical space I personally need. And then you think about, okay, well, what am I doing with staff? What are they going to need? And you think about the clients, what are they going to need? So for me, what I came up with is, well, I was going to need a place that had uh, space for me with additional offices I could grow into. And a, the immediate needs were space for me in a conference room and a receptionist. Kind of that's kind of the bare minimum I could get by with, and I, you know, and then I kind of had in my mind sort of my wish list of what I wanted to look like and be like, and you know, all of that. Part of what you think through when you're starting your business is okay. So what kind of what's the culture of your firm and what's it reflecting? Mm. And and they say it should reflect you in some way. You know, it it should be personal, and it, it should also be based on the folks you're working with, and you know, recognize that. And so when I start thinking through, I'm thinking, well, you know. What I'm doing here is I'm working, probably going to be working mostly with families and with kids. And, you know, I'm kind of a relaxed, casual, laid back type of person. So although I take kind of the professional appearance very seriously, I'm, I'm always in a suit. <laughs> but mm. at the same time, I wanted my firm to have a little bit of the character of kid-friendly, family-friendly, relaxed. So I didn't like the idea of, so I started looking at spaces, you know, and it all looks kind of, I'm thinking traditional, you know, law firm spaces, you know, traditional buildings and brick on the front and all this. Right, no way. The McDonald's with that bounce house in it is definitely better. (laughs) Yeah, so. Like, that's what I'm envisioning. I can't wait to see where this goes. (laughs) Right, so (laughs) it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't fitting. And at the same time, you have to have some type of timeline of what's going on in your life and when this has to start. And then you're looking at overhead expenses and how much you could spend or should be spending and things like that. So you're putting all that together and you know, I'm looking around here and there was just not a lot that was, mm. that was working for me. And I found a couple places, nothing that I was really excited about. It's probably leaning towards one. But you know, one of the things I was thinking, and, I, and my wife found it and she, she realized- Of course she, she found, did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, and she knew it's so funny. I was talking to her, so she would find these places, and I'd be like, "No, that's not really I'm looking for. That's not." Well, what are what you? What is looking her for? name? Leah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah, Leah. So, so Leah's looking around for me, and what do you, well, what do you want? And I'll look for it. And so I was describing it to her. I'm saying, "Well, I want kind of a place that's a little bit more casual. It needs to look very professional, very nice, you know, all of that, but I want it to be a little bit more casual. I'm kind of a techie type guy, so." If it could be like, it should be some, modern. Yeah. And somehow right. maybe connected to technology, like share space and kind of like, like if Google had a little space, you know, in town that uh-huh. I could work with them, that'd oh, be cool. pretty cool. Right. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Good luck in Gainesville, but I can't wait to hear what you found. I found it there. No kidding. <laughs> there, 
<laughs> there is a there. It just so happens there was uh, Gainesville's kind of building up their technology. Uh, yeah, sector. yeah, no, I know. And so there was a local tech company that I guess before I met them, it was maybe a, a year or so. They had grown so big, they took over a large one floor office complex, gutted it, renovated it, and made it this beautiful high tech thing. And so cool. you walk in the lobby and they've got this nice long reception table on the left. On the right, they have a little coffee shop. They have kind of the highlighted colors. They have the big screen TVs. Isn't it amazing they, how things work out? Yeah. Bold is I over. Mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Great story. Yeah. I got the call from my wife, you know, and uh, it was, it's so funny because it was like, I found it. I found it. You have to, it, it, you know, come I now. Found, yeah, yeah. I found it. You have to be here at six o'clock tonight and here's where you're going and the guy's going to meet you there. And so I, I showed up. The guy who runs the business is just this amazing guy. He has this great heart for the community, which is part of you know, what is important to my wife and I. Also, and how the so, universe works. Yeah. yeah. Bringing all the right, right people and pieces together. Yeah. Right. And so I show up and he gives me the tour and it's amazing. So he's like an online tech company. He he teaches IT folks by recording videos, putting them online. So you walk in and he shows me their production studio. It looks like a movie studio and part of it. And he's redone the whole kitchen area. Wow. So there's this great fancy break room. He has this huge conference room with all this new office furniture. Oh, Every place nice. is just it's been painted over. He has all these skylights. So there's lots of natural lighting and there's a receptionist up front and it's, and there's a coffee place built into it. So it, it was wow. just, yeah, my wife was, so I showed up and I'm like, yeah, this, she's right. This is exactly <laughs> what that's I was great. looking for. So well, good. yeah. Yeah. So that's where I wound up and it, okay. yeah, it's, it's a process getting there, but yeah, so I'm, I'm very happy now. It's really So cool. you'll have to tell us about your technology in like a summary format. I think we're going pretty long, Oh, which I don't mind at all. But um, tell us then a little bit about what you ended up with and, you know, maybe a couple of the bumps that you hit. I know you switched practice management programs, Mm -hmm. which is always hard, but I tell lawyers, you know, if you have the time and you need to make it when you've made a decision that isn't necessarily working for you, it's okay to switch. It's going to be a little bit of a pain, but you have to do that. So tell us a little bit about your technology. And we'll have, we're going to, I think you're going to be a great guest again. We'll check in on you in about six months and see how, how things have changed. And we can talk a little bit more in depth, but for now, tell us a little bit about your technology. Sure. So, um, yeah, so for the paperless office, you know, the, the basic, the cornerstone of that is, is scanning. Yep. And so, so it, you know, you get all these different opinions for all the other technology, you know, and you have all, and everybody has different opinions. In the legal tech sector, <laughs> pretty much everybody is unanimous about you need a Fujitsu scan snap scanner. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I kept hearing that over and over. So I got the IX500. And, and you love it, it. I do. Yeah. The I, thing's I, amazing. It, yeah. It works perfectly. It connects. I, I run everything right now off of a laptop so that I can be completely portable. And, you know, it connects to my laptop and I tell it to scan and it runs everything through. And I have a folder system set up for where it comes into. And it, yeah, it's fast and it's quiet. That's awesome. And, and it's been, yeah, it's been working great. So that's the, yes, yeah, so that's the first part. So I have to agree with everyone else who said that's what you need. They were, they were right. You, you do need that. Okay. Um, <laughs> they were right on that one. <laughs> they were right what about were they that wrong one? on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
I did get a, uh, a separate, and being a techie, I want to buy all the best, latest, greatest, but I know I'm not supposed to be spending all this money. So you kind of have to compromise on some things. So I did buy a specific laptop just for work to kind of start with a kind of clean slate there. And that's kind of what I use. The other part was, yeah, I didn't go into any kind of putting together a server route. I kind of have everything online one way or another. But really, for me, online for the most part means I'm using an online case management system. And mm-hmm. so, of you know, I came from a background of server-based systems. Traditional, and, as I call mm-hmm. them. Yeah, yeah, which have a lot of great features, uh, you know, so like the systems I came from, I had needles at one firm and, um, you know, feature rich and lots of data, lots of data crunching. And that part I liked. And I found one of the reasons for my switch that we were, you were just talking about is because of how I was trained and what my background is <laughs> as far as case management goes. But, you know, I was used to the server system and I had not really, you know, I'd kind of heard about the cloud systems and I I was at the start of the process, I was not sure what I thought about them. I was one of those uninformed folks thinking, well, I don't know about putting everything in the cloud. (laughs) Is the bar going to be okay with this? Is my data secure? (laughs) So I had those What happens if they go out of business? Can I get my data out of there? Okay. We we know all the questions. Yeah. I I researched it enough that I got past that (laughs) and got to the point where that was my preference. That, that I realized that's, that's what I was purposely looking for, is that sure. I was trying to find a cloud-based system. And so once I knew that, then I looked for the ones that were specific to my PI practice. Uh, because uh, what I found also is uh, that a lot of uh, the guys kind of I wanted at first, they're not PI specific. So a lot of the data crunching I needed to do, there was not an easy way to do it in their systems. Right. So yeah. I did have to look at the, the PI-based ones. I probably demoed 15 to 20 different ones and oh my gosh <laughs> oh yeah it was crazy and that is crazy but amazing yeah, yeah so i know a lot about all these different systems and so yeah. i settled on one and actually kind of initially had settled on two <laughs> and bounced around and got to where i am now and so right now i'm using a system called smart advocate mm-hmm. you emailed me about that one a, a while ago after we met and i couldn't really give you any advice because i hadn't heard of it or heard too many lawyers that had been using it. And I said, but please tell me what you find out. So it sounds like you did the research and you ended up liking it and getting it. And how long have you been using it now? Um, Not that long, maybe about two weeks. Okay. (laughs) It's a very recent switch. And so far? Well, so far I found kind of what I had already discovered, which is that you can't have everything. So there there are a lot of wonderful things about it. And the important things, what I was, you know, looking for now that I have a better idea and better understanding what I need, what I've found is that I'm not a typical solo small practice attorney. I function more like a large practice attorney when it comes to data and information management. And mm. so I like to have all these fields. I and, and because I'm kind of a techie, I like to be able to manipulate it and I like to be able to customize it. And I don't want a one size fits all type thing. And so when it comes to customization, this thing is amazing. I'm still going through it realizing, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, like the thing I mentioned to you that the aha moment I had a <laughs> few days ago was I can email my faxes to my online fax service. I don't have to log. I don't have to log on to the. Oh, that's what it was. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's what it God, was. Don't you love those moments when you're like, holy moly? Because I had already saved. That's a whole other probably whole other podcast. I had already oh, the, the fax system we were using. Just going to online was a huge thing. But the thing I discovered then was while I'm within my case management, if I direct it to this address with my 
online fax service. It gets faxed from the email within the case management. I'm not going anywhere else. It's emailing me back confirmation. It's emailing me what it sent, and I'm done. <laughs> it's like and a so few clicks you're mentioning the F word a lot. That's what I call it, by the way. The F- um, <laughs> Your practice must lend itself to still needing facts. Yes, yeah. Okay. So that's the and sad I, part about PI work. Yep, the, yep. Yeah. Okay, I, I just want to make it clear that you're not doing that because you want to. Oh, no. You're using that because you have to. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I'm doing that because I'm being dragged, yeah. kicking and screaming. Yeah, there are um, there are certain um, vendors, well, what do we call it? So insurance companies and healthcare providers, a lot of what they do, they won't do email. Um, so it has to be faxed. So, yeah, so I have to, if I want to communicate with them quickly and directly and cheaply, I I can't email. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, here's what I want to do, Bill, because I feel we should wrap this up. People are going to, they're going to be sitting in their car half an hour after they already got to work, trying to listen to the end of this episode. I'm going to check back in with you in a a few months, maybe five or six months. And we'll talk more. You sent me such a great list of topics as far as going paperless and thinking about office equipment, getting virtual support, Office 365, and all the tools that you're using, like you put in here, text expander, dictation, scanner apps for your phone. So what I want to do is just invite you back um, once you've honed a little bit more and maybe had a couple more foibles because I think it's so realistic when we have to switch or figure something new out and talk about that in depth. I think this episode is going to be so valuable to lawyers who are trying to figure out how to either start a practice that is in an area that they love and they're, they're passionate about and also being able to balance work and life and family and still maintain a passion for all of those things like I can feel and hear that you have. I think it's so sweet and amazing. And you sound like such a sweet guy. And Leah (laughs) sounds like a saint. I hope I get to Gainesville one day and we can all meet because I would love to meet you and your family. That would be great. So before I let you go this time, tell everyone how they can follow up with you, ask you some questions or find you on the internet. Sure. So we do have a Facebook page. Uh, so if you were to look for Galleon Law, you'd find us on Facebook. And spell that for us. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. I know. Don't worry. Well, I, I think everybody can spell Adriana Linares without, yeah. and, unless you're from South America or speak Spanish as a second language, you can't. So tell everybody how to spell Yeah. Galeon. Generally, people don't get Galleon. I forgot about right. that. G, so it's G-A-L. I-O-N-E, so Galleon Law. Um, and then Twitter would be at Galleon Law Firm. And then the website's galleonlaw.com. And the email address is simply bill at galleonlaw.com. Excellent. Well, Bill, yeah. I can't thank you enough for your time because I figured out during our talk how valuable and precious that is. And I hope you will come back in just a couple months. I keep shortening the time because first I said six months and then I said five months. And then I thought, why do we wait that long? We'll just check in on you every couple months and see how you're doing. So I hope you will come back. I would love to. Thank you, Adriana. Oh, yeah. I'd love to have you back. It'll be great. Well, for everyone listening, thank you so much. You've been listening to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. If you like what you heard today, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. We'll see you next time. And remember, you're not alone. You're New Solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice solo here on Legal Talk Network. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.